but sometimes you have to just give out info. Uh, the, number one, let me just say that uh, the greeters, if you're a greeter after church just for a few moments, uh, Sam and Mary would like to meet you over in this side room. So all the greeters, if you could just be over there for just a moment uh, after church, they would appreciate it. Uh, and uh, also let me remind our everybody that you're welcome to be here tonight at 6 o'clock for my year-long series uh, of, dis it's really a discipleship series called Learning to Lead from Any Level. Everyone is invited. Uh, we didn't have it last month because of the Super Bowl. So tonight you get two for the price of one. Plus you get some pizza and pop in between. So uh, it's at six o'clock rather than 6.30, learning to lead from any level. All of our ministry team leaders will be here and uh, many of their team members will be here because we, we realize that we need to grow spiritually and become better at what God would have us to do. So that's this uh this Sunday night. So look at the bulletin as Beverly said. And then finally, uh, as we get ready to get done here, uh, Glenn and Michelle, Glenn Castile, lift your hand. And then Michelle, where's Michelle? She'll be going to the, to the jail in Hardin County, right, Michelle? And you'll be in Jefferson County. And so, uh, when we're just out eating lunch and having fun, they'll be ministering to people who, uh, a very captive audience who need the word and the will of God in their life. So let's lift them up as they are our hands extended. Lord, we pray for our jail ministry teams, Lord, that will be heading, Lord, into, into the jails today to touch people's life and let the word of God make a big difference in their life. Bless them this morning and this afternoon as they share your word. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Well, it's so good to be here today. March is one of my favorite months of the year, March and April. I love springtime, uh, and uh, it just is exciting to me in every way. And so uh, I want to encourage you to just enjoy the journey this spring with Church on the Rock North. In fact, let's begin to work together towards Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, the easiest opportunity, according to people that are smarter than I, for you to get friends and family to church. As you know, we have some goals here that we're looking towards. They're growth goals. How many of you know God wants the church to grow and expand? Some people say, well, you shouldn't think about numbers. Just that God's not care. He doesn't care about numbers. Well, I don't think that's really true. There was somebody at Pentecost counting. There was somebody when Jesus was breaking loaves and bread, they were counting. Everywhere people were counting. And you know why we count people? Because people count. And so when we have a growth goal of, of 300 people in church on Sunday, uh, you know, that's not 300 hot dogs or 300, you know, it's 300 souls. Uh, and for every, every person that we make a difference in their life and they come, there's a residual ripple effect of, their, of those people. Uh, and so, so let's look to Easter Sunday in just a few weeks and begin to, in fact, next Sunday, we're going to put some tools in your hands, some invitations that you can use, little cards, something along that line to help you invite your friends and family to church on Sunday, on Easter Sunday. Of course, you can invite them anytime. In fact, this month is, uh, as we begin this series this morning, is the family fix. Everyone say the family fix. Uh, a great opportunity for you to get your friends and family. How many of you here have some people you know, certainly not yours, but some people you know who their family needs fixing? God forbid that ours would need a little tune-up every now and then. Uh, and how many, of you, how many of you know, hey, my family needs a little tune-up every now and then. Amen. You know, Beverly and I, we're, we're empty nesters now. 
But I promise you, uh, we're still a family and we need a little tune-up every once in a while. And so this month is the family fix. And so I want you to plug in and get involved with that. And let me just begin today. I want to talk about the family and, and get you started on this series. Let me just say right up front about the family. Uh, listen, it's, we, no, we no longer live in a leave-it-to-beaver world. Now, for most of the young people, Kate's going, Who's, what's leave-it-to-beaver? He, do, he doesn't know. Uh, just Google it, Cade. It's okay. You Google leave it to beaver and you'll find that Jerry Mathers as the beaver. So, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a series that we grew up on. It's just like the perfect American family. How many of you know, we don't live in that kind of world anymore. And so I want to encourage you something. If you, if your family, uh, you know, if you're a single parent, uh, mom or a single parent dad, uh, or if your family has taken a hit on some level, Hey, do not get discouraged about this series because I'm really not going to come at it from that angle. You know, Beverly and I are a family. If you're a husband and a wife and you've never had a child, you are a family. So uh, get that in your mind and realize, hey, it's going to be good this month. Look at your neighbor and say, it's going to be good this month. We're going to get the family fix going on. So uh, just realize, hey, this is going to be a great opportunity to strengthen the family. I want to make a foundational statement about the family that you and I need to embrace and realize. And that is this, that the family is God's big idea. God's, it's God's idea. In fact, from creation, we see, and we looked at it last, uh, this last couple of months when God looked down at Adam and he said, man, it's all great, but it's not good that Adam should be alone. So what did he do? He created Eve out of the, the, uh, you know, out of his rib, uh, and, and created this beautiful helpmate and, and for the purpose of Adam and Eve fellowshipping, but not just for that, but for the purpose of building a family. Look at your neighbor and say, the family is God's big idea. It really is. It's God's plan and purpose, even from creation. Now, I want you to turn. This is our keynote verse for, for this month is Psalms, <coughs> pardon me, Psalm 68. Turn there. I want you to see this. I want you to outline it. And I can tell because of a lot of things we have going on today that I may go a little after 12. Everybody say, that's okay, pastor. All right. Help me. Uh, look at Psalm 68. Are you there? If you're there. Let me read this to you. In fact, I'm going to read the first six verses. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Let those also who hate him flee before him as smoke is driven away. So drive them away as wax melts before the fire. So let the wicked perish at the presence of God. But let the righteous be glad. All the righteous say amen. Let them rejoice before God. Yes, let them rejoice greatly. Sing to God. Sing praises to his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds by his name, Yah, and re which means basically praise. And rejoice before him. Now catch verse 5 and 6. In the middle of all this praise and all this victory, he is a father of the fatherless. A defender of widows is God in his holy habitation. Verse 6. God sets the solitary in families. Everyone say that. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word today. May it bring forth much fruit in our life. And Lord, set us in families.
We thank you for it. And everybody said, amen. You see, the family is God's big idea. Even in some, he set the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity. And when you look to scripture, you will discover that everywhere from the, from the beginning to the end, we see this big idea. In fact, God's overarching plan in the universe is the family. You read Ephesians 5. It talks about husbands loving your wives and children obeying your parents in the Lord. It's God, in fact, it's the core ingredient of healthy community. When you get healthy family, you get healthy community. And when you get healthy community, you, you get healthy church. And when you get healthy church, you change the whole world. Somebody say amen. It's God's idea. It's his big idea. In fact, I find it very interesting to me, to me that he chose a family to introduce Christ to the whole world. He could have done it any way he wanted to, but he chose a family. Mary and Joseph to bring Christ into the world and to introduce him to the whole world. He chose a family, God's model and plan uh, for his love to his kids. The church is a, it should be a model and a plan and, a, and, a, and an example of how God loves the church. Read Ephesians chapter 5. Husbands love your wives even as what? Christ loved the church. The Bible just revealed, hey, he's, in fact, did you know, how many of you know God is not a man that he should lie? He's not a man, but catch this phrase so we can understand. He is the consummate family man. In fact, though he's not a man, he gave himself a family name. He's our heavenly. Amen. In fact, my Bible tells me in Romans chapter 8 that he loved me so much that even though I, I don't belong, he adopted me into the family. The family is God's big idea. Look at somebody to your left and right and say, the family is God's big idea. Now, we know this. Now, I've only been on this planet for 56 and a half years. But I've learned something in the short 50 year, 56 years that I've, that I've been here, that the family unit has taken a big hit. How many of you know there's a lot of unhealthy, unholy influences in the world? And the family unit, that is God's big idea, has taken a big hit. The family's under attack. Did you know that? You see, God's just not after you. He's after your entire family. He's not just after you. He's after your kids. And then he's after your kids' kids. He's trying to eradicate family off the, off the planet. And the family is under attack. Now, there's a lot of things that have, have, have the enemy has used. But let me just tell you some things that have, that have undermined the foundations of the family. Number one, economic stress. How many of you know economics have a way of undermining a family? There's not enough month. There's not enough money for the month. In fact, when you study divorce, you'll discover that money is one of the big issues of why uh, families uh, get divorced. In fact, hey, take no offense to this, but because of the economic stress, we have, we have two-income families today. And how many of you know a two-income family creates a whole new series of issues that you've got to work through in order for the family not to begin to denigrate and be undermined by the fact that mom and daddy are both working all the time and the kids are home home playing video games or whatever they do when you're not there. So economics have, have, have stressed the family and, and the issues of the economic strain have stressed the family unit. Uh, and here's one, though you may not realize it, technology, technological advances. How many of you know that technology in and of itself is not evil? How many of you know the internet is not evil? How many of you know that 
television, I mean, the television is not evil. It's not evil. It's in, there's nothing evil about technology, but how many of you know, technology has come back to, to bite us. And now we've had to, you know, who would have, who would have thunk it? You know, it, when the, when the TV, hey, and most of you cannot remember pre TV. I can remember, uh, in the early years of TV, when it, when it became color, I thought, you know, I couldn't wait for Disney to come on and see that color just splash. I mean, I'm just amazed. So most of you kids, you, you just don't understand life without TV or pre TV used to be a family affair. Everybody gathered around the TV and watched Leave It to Beaver or, or Flipper or something. Uh, but now there's five or six TVs and everybody's in their own room watching their own thing and God knows what they're watching. Come on, it's a whole different world out there. And so technology has put pressure on the family, uh, the internet, and just uh, from every angle, we've had to we've had to put uh, you know filters and restraints and guidelines to keep technology from coming back and 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 undermining the the core foundation of the family. And so it's happened. Now here's one that that just uh, we can't blame it on anybody. It's just moral decay. We've not, we've not got a grip on our sin nature. And so how many of you know when you don't get a grip on your sin nature and, 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 and appropriate the power of the cross, sin doesn't get better. It just gets worse. And how many of you that are maybe my age or a little younger or maybe a little older, you can look back over the last 50 years and you go, my goodness, what has happened in America? Who would have thunk it, as we say? How could this be? It's just the process of moral decay has undermined the foundation and the core of the family. And now we've got political enemies against the family. How many of you know there's a political attack against the, against what the, a biblical understanding of family? Homosexuals are radically trying to redefine the family. And so there's attack from all different sides that you and I need to understand. And all these negative influences, influences have undermined the integrity of the family unit. And so this series, we're going to do our best to begin to turn the tide, at least right here in Beaumont, right here at Church on the Rock North, and begin to turn the tide. Now, let me tell you where we're going this morning. At the close of this service, I'm going to reveal, I'm going to unveil, I'm going to expose a monster in our midst. How many of you kids ever have nightmares about monsters? How many of you adults ever have nightmares about monsters? I'm going to reveal a monster. And then we're not only going to reveal the monster, we're going to learn a little bit and begin to learn. In fact, Wednesday night, we're going to learn more about how to slay this monster in our midst. So hang on. I'm going, to, I'm going to reveal a monster. So the family's taking a hit. What do we need to do? Well, I'm going to give you uh, four thoughts this morning about where we're going. And if you'd like to get a head start, uh, I want to give you a little definition of, of the word fix, the family fix. Where are we going? What, uh, what are the, the four thoughts that we're going to look at this month? The big fix. Here's some definitions and it'll help you understand. The first definition of the word fix means to fasten securely in a particular place or position. This speaks to the foundation of the family. The family needs to be fastened securely. And oh, I, I want to preach that right now, but that's next Sunday. Another one definition of the word fix is to direct one's eyes and attention or mind steadily or unwaveringly towards, to direct your attention. That, that, and that speaks to the focus of the family. 
We'll be looking at the foundation of the family and the focus of the family. And the third definition, which we'll look at a little bit this morning, you kind of think this, this is kind of the primary one in your mind. Uh, it means to mend or repair. That speaks to the thought or the faults within the family that need to be repaired and mended. We're going to talk about that this morning. And then finally, the fourth one that we'll look at this month, uh, it's a definition to decide or settle upon, to, to develop a specific price, date, or course of action, to settle a particular course of action. It speaks to the future of the family. little illustration, Beverly and I were on our way home uh, yesterday or last night and came, came through Tyler and we were hungry. We, we needed a little something. And so we were kind of going down the road and, you know, I was thumbs down and she was thumbs up on some things. And so, so we're back and forth. And finally she said, well, you want to go to a Chick-fil-A? I said, thumbs up. Where is it? I've not seen it before. Thumbs up. And so I got, I set the course of action. And so we get right close to, oh, there's Chick-fil-A and Beverly said, there's a barbecue place. You want to go to that barbecue place? I said, Beverly, we've set the course. Once you set your course, you don't change unless God speaks. And that's the way it needs to be with our family. We've got to set course into the purpose and plan of God. So there's where we're going. How many of you catch where we're going? Where everybody say the foundation of the family, the focus of the family, the faults of the family, and the future of the family. Now, so that's where we're going. Let's jump in. Let's talk about the faults. Here we go. I preach out of the dictionary a lot. Let's look at the faults of the family. To mend or repair. And I know some of you are already getting fired up. You're getting your pen out. You're ready. I'm ready to write some of these down because I know some of them already. And they're not mine. Here we go. Three aspects of these faults. And they get progressively worse. The first thought about a fault, it's an unattractive or unsatisfactory feature. Does anybody here know of anybody in your family that has an unattractive or unsatisfactory feature? I'm not talking about your physical feature. Is anybody here ever, do you know anybody that ever leaves their dirty drawers out in the floor and they shouldn't? That's, that's, a, that's just totally unacceptable. That's an unsatisfactory feature. It's not a deal breaker, but it's certainly a fault, right? How many of you know those kind of things are like elbows? We all have at least a couple, right? How many of you got somebody in your family has an unsatisfactory? It's just not satisfactory. It's unattractive. It's unsatisfactory. Okay. Uh, I'm tempted to tell a story, but I won't because we're running out of time. Uh, well, I just got to, my wife has one. Now, it's amazing to me because my wife believes this scripture, cleanliness is next to godliness, which that's not a scripture, but she believes it. And when she loads the dishwasher, she puts the, the uh, and she teaches me all about the dishwasher because I, I do some things wrong with the dishwasher. But one thing I've learned, you stick the, the spoons and the forks and the knives downward so when you get them out, you're not grabbing the the. the the knife of the, the blade and because you're putting your germs all back over it. And so I'm unloading and there she got forks sticking up and spoons sticking up. Beverly, that's unsatisfactory. That's an unsatisfactory feature. I've never told her that, but today, so y'all pray for that and that she would find great healing. 
We all have a few of those. But it gets worse. A fault is a misguided or dangerous habit. Now we're getting worse. A, 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 a misguided or dangerous habit. Now, this is where things begin to get, get a little dicey because, you know, just in that, you could, how many of you know unattentiveness to their family's needs is a dangerous habit? How many of you know, you know, some of the issues and things that we see, unholy lifestyles and the way we talk could be dangerous habits? And we're going to talk about that today a little bit. And so, but then it gets worse because here's the third thought about a fault. And here it is. It is this, an extended Break. How many of you ever heard of the San Andreas Fault? That's in California, right? Some people believe that's God's pre- preparation for judging the land of fruits and nuts. And then one day it'll all just fall off into the ocean. I don't know if that's true or not. But let me tell you something. Listen carefully. If we don't deal even with the unattractive or unsatisfactory features, and if we don't deal with the misguided or dangerous habits of our life, they can develop within us an extended underlying break in a relationship and in the family. And before long, what used to be hidden will begin to be exposed because in a moment of trauma and trouble, there comes a schism in the family. And trouble and and devastation in the family. And so it's so important for us to address the faults in the family. Those fault lines of life. And so this morning, you and I need to understand that this is so serious. In fact, how many of you know from from statistics, this last one, this, this extended, this fault line in the family has been very open and aggressive for many years. In fact, did you know when I was growing up, and, and, and be very careful because I know in this room there's a lot of people who have been divorced, okay? So don't, hey, get your feelings off your shoulders for a second. Everybody, just, come on now. It's a fact. We know it. Okay? Understand. But when I was growing up, if you got divorced, you were almost like anathema. You're a divorced person. <gasps> what kind of evil rests within them? That's how divorce was looked. Today, it's just as normal as anything. But, and, and here's the deal. Let me give you some statistics about divorce. The first time marriages, there's a 41% chance that you get divorced in America. And this goes across the board, whether you're a Christian or churchgoer or what. 41, first time marriages, 41% divorce rate. That's pretty bad in and of itself. But now catch this, the second time, Oh, if we lifted our hands, how many have been married twice? You know, I, I don't, I'm not going to do that. But listen, the second time the divorce rate goes to 60%. It doesn't get, you would think, everybody go, you would think, you would think that once burned twice, careful. But when you get the, the people who've been divorced twice, the, it goes up to 60%. And third time marriages in America, there's a 73% chance that you're going to get divorced. Now, I'm not poking, I'm not poking at that. I'm just showing you something. The fault lines are not getting fixed. Are you with me? We're just jumping from spouse to spouse, changing the fruit, but never addressing the root. Is somebody with me here in this house this morning? And so this is what's going on in the world around us. And you know, when I, when I get, when I do marriage counseling, I I look at them and I realize under the best of circumstances, they got a 41% shot at not surviving. 
And some of the uh, marriage counseling that I do, and I don't do a lot, but I just look at them and I say, what are you thinking? You've got so much against you. Are you ready to cross these lines and go down this road? It's going to be a hard road. I try to scare them to death, but they, you know, they're in love. Uh. So then I come along and try to help them make it and help them survive and not just survive, but thrive. But so we've got to deal with the fault lines. We've got to, we've got to deal with it. Americans are just jumping from spouse to spouse and, and they're never fixing the faults that are causing the divisions and the schisms. So this morning in the next few moments, I'm going to give you three big fault lines that, that are predominant in most families or in many families. Here they are. You ready? You better write these down. And then I'm going to expose the monster in our midst. The first one is this. Our unyielded will. Everyone say our unyielded will. This is a big fault line in most families. Because most families and most parents, most husbands and wives, do not yield their will to the will of God. But when you get married, and even when you're born, when you become a Christian, everything about you requires you because of how God created you to yield your will to his will. And that's what Jesus did in, 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 the, in the Gospels, when he, when, especially when he prayed right before he laid his life down. He said, nevertheless, not what? My will... But your will be done, speaking to the Father. You see, the problem in, in families is, is there's a lack of yieldedness of our lives to the will of God and the will of His plan in the earth. Are you with me? Say amen. In fact, think about Lucifer. You remember Lucifer? We were, and if I had time, you write down Isaiah 14. Uh, just look at Luke 22 later. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And Isaiah 14, is, it talks about Lucifer, the devil. And it says, oh, how you're fallen, oh, star of the morning. And without going into it, he used to be an angel in heaven. But he got into heaven. He was in heaven. And he began to uh, live an unyielded will. He said, I'm going to make myself like the most high. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. It's all about me. I'm going to be just like God. I'm going to be better than God. And as a result, he fell from heaven. And oh, great was his fall. And so from that point until now, he's endeavored to keep us in the same boat he was in. Keeping our, our, our will from being yielded to the will of God the Father. The second big fault line in, in our lives and in our families is not only our unyielded wills, but our unwilling ways. Whew. In fact, the, the Hebrew word for ways, it means this, that, that word in the, in the Old Testament, it, it means this, a course of life or a mode of action. How many of you ever heard somebody say this? Well, it's just the way we've always done it. That's just the way we do it. How many of you know just because it's the way you've done it all your life doesn't mean it's the right way? And what I find many times in, in, in marriages, it's not these big monstrous things that we, you know, always oh, hit, you know, he did this, she did that. It's not the, it's something on the inside that says, it's, it's just the way, it's my way or the highway, baby. Well, where'd you get this way? Well, it's the way my daddy was, the way my mama was, and this way it is, this is the way we deal with kids around here. You know, we're gonna, you know, take names. How many of you know the Bible says in Proverbs, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is the way of destruction and death. 
The problem is we get these unyielded wills and these unyielding and these unwilling ways in our life. And Isaiah, you can read it later. I want you to take notes. Isaiah 55, if I had time, we'd go there. Isaiah 55, he said, listen, you need to understand something about your way. It's not the right way. In fact, God said in Isaiah 55, he said, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You need to yield your way to my way. And real, and embrace the way of God in your life and in the family. So when you get these, these fault lines of unyielded wills and these unwilling ways, it begins to bring a, a, a breach and a schism and a separation and a division within the house and with the family. And, and hey, we think everything's all right, but I'm telling you, uh, something's brewing deep within. And when, when, if we don't deal with them, when trouble comes and trauma comes, there is serious consequences. And guys, we're the worst in the world. I can't shoot at you ladies much, but listen. We get these things in our head. I'm in charge. I'm the head of my house. Well, I am too, but my wife's the neck. She turns me any which way she wants. We get these things in our head. Where'd they come from? They got passed down maybe from generation to generation. How many of you know the Bible talks about that he'll visit the sins of the fathers of the second, third generation? God forbid that you could carry an unholy or an unrighteous, an unwilling way and pass it on to your grandkids. God help us. Amen. Number three, the third one. And then we're going to expose this monster. It's not only our unyielded wills and our unwilling ways. But our unrighteous words, our words, listen, I told somebody this the other day. I don't know if it's really true. Don't test me on this. I said, I'd almost rather you just slap me in the face than slap me with your words. Something about slapping me in the face, I could, I, somehow I can process it. But when you get me with your words, it's just some of the most devastating, listen, devastating forces in the earth is the power of our words. We, we don't know how to talk right. In fact, it's not just the words. How many of you can be the tone of your words? You see, I can tell my wife, I love you, baby. Or I love you too, baby. Or I can say, I love you too, baby. How many of you know I just said something totally different? It's the power of our words. These three things, these are just three uh, big fault lines in families. Our unyielded wills, our unwilling ways. And let me just say this. Did you know old habits are hard to break? But if you don't break them, they'll end up breaking you. Quit blaming your mama and your daddy. Come on. And realize... Like Papa did a long time ago. I've had all I can stand and I can't stand no more. And if you've had all you can, believe you me, your family has really had all they can stand and they can't stand no more. So it's time to break those things in our life. And let me just say, I was pretty hard on the counselors last week. I'll lighten up. This might be where you need to go get some help somewhere. And say, you know, I got some things that have been ingrained in me for years and years and years. And, and I really... 
until my wife and the preacher, my husband and the preacher finally let me know about it. I never even knew. I don't know how to dethrone this monster in my life, but if you'll help me, I, I just need somebody to help me get this old habit broken off my life and this negative, whatever it is, this, this mess that I brought from my mom and my daddy or my workplace or wherever it came from. I got to get this thing off of me or my family's going to have a serious problem. Our unwilling ways. We've got to yield ourselves to the will of God and the ways of God. And we've got to yield our mind. Hey, let me just say this about our words. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, he said this. A man out of the evil of his heart speaks evil. A man out of the good righteousness of his heart speaks what's righteous. In other words, and then he says this. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we learn a little something about really this and all these three things that it, it, most of us just deal with the fruit and never get to the root. And so it's time we get to the root of the problem. Why do we talk the way we do? Why are we so unwilling to flex and change and break these things off our life? Why are we so oh, unwilling to say, I don't know what I'm doing, God. I need your will in my life. Why are we, why does that happen? There's a monster in our midst. I said there's a monster in our midst. You know some of the most powerful words you can ever say? You might need to write this down, put it on the posty note on the refrigerator. I'm so sorry. I don't know what I was thinking. I was terribly wrong. Would you please forgive me? We've got to change the way we talk. Amen? But it comes from changing what's on the inside. Okay, you ready to find out what the monster, the monster in our midst? Turn over to Job 41. Go to Job. If you're in Psalms, take a left. Job 41. I hear all those pages turning. Not. Job 41. Or if you're there, say, I'm there, Pastor. Hey, it's 12.02. I'm about done. Look at your neighbor. Say, he's about done. Just relax. Job 42. 41. It's all about a sea monster named Leviathan. I don't have time to read it, but you read it later. Everyone say, sea monster. Leviathan. Say, Leviathan. Now, it's not about a literal sea monster, but it is about a monster. And oh, if you read it, man, this monster is powerful. This monster is overwhelming. And you just read about this monster. Oh, there's a monster. There's a monster on the loose. Ah, everybody go, ah, there's a monster. His name is Leviathan. In fact, verse 29, just for kicks, darts are regarded as straw. In other words, you can't, you can't throw a dart at this monster. It's just like straw. He's, this monster is mean. He's got scales. He's ugly. He's, he's got authority, but it doesn't matter what you do. This monster is, is, is bad to the bone. This Leviathan. Everybody go, it's a bad monster. Everybody say bad monster. There's no good monsters. I, I, don't, I don't care what the cartoons tell you. All, all monsters are bad. Come on now. I've seen them. All monsters are bad. 
Now let's expose this monster in the last verse. Leviathan. He beholds every high thing. He, that is Leviathan, is king over all the children of pride. You see, the monster is the God of pride in our life. Now, so, why do we have unyielded wills? Because of the Leviathan of pride in our life. Why do we have unwilling ways? Because of the Leviathan of pride. Why do we have unrighteous words? Because of the Leviathan of pride in our life. That's the monster on the inside of all of us. That if we don't slay him, he will slay us. And he will slay our families. And our faults will continue to get worse. And the division will begin continue to... To, to get wider and the issues will begin to compound in our families and in our life. And if we don't deal with this monster within called pride, the Bible says God will end up resisting us because he resists the proud. And when you get God resists, hey, how many of you want God on your side and not on the other side? And listen to me. We're about done. Many of us are wondering why God doesn't answer our prayers. Why God hadn't gone to work in our midst. And why he seems so distant. He's actually resisting us. Because we have not begun to slay the monster on the inside. Now, here's what pride's saying to some of you right now. What? Well, You're talking to me? How dare you come? Leviathan, come out, come out wherever you are. God, our Father, said to his people in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people not the devil's people, not the world. If my people, God said, if my people, Second Chronicles 7, 14, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves. There you go. Humble themselves. Listen, that's a lot less costly than being humbled by God. Because understand something, if we don't deal with it and the schism comes, we find ourselves humbled by God and our circumstances. If my people, we're about done, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. How many of you know pride is a wicked way? If we humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways then he'll hear from heaven and forgive our sin 
and heal our families, heal our lands. So today, we have the capacity to slay this giant, this monster in our midst. You don't do it by binding and loosening. I bind you, spirit of pride. Come out in the name of Jesus. You bind it and find deliverance by falling down before him. Lord, I humble myself before you. Your ways are not my ways. I yield my will to the will of God. I yield my heart to your control. I yield my tongue. I'm not going to speak poison in my family any longer. I'm going to humble myself. Begin to allow you to dethrone this monster in my midst called pride. You see, God said, if my people will humble themselves, that's where we come in. If we just humble ourselves, He'll forgive our sin and heal our land. We humble ourselves, seek His face, and turn from our wicked way. He'll hear from heaven. Forgive our sin and heal our families. There's faults within all of us, but nothing too big for a humble heart. Let's stand together today, kids, families together. Father, as we come to the close of this service, may it be the beginning of a great month of the family getting fixed this morning I, we know if we'll fix our hearts on you and we'll seek you and call out to you and humble ourselves and pray you'll hear from heaven forgive our sin and heal our land Lord I pray for daddies in the house husbands in the house who you look to as the spiritual head in the house I pray God that you would let it begin with us that we would find humility of heart we would humble ourselves before you and humble ourselves before our families yield our wills to the will of God Yield our ways to the ways of God. Yield our words to the word of God. Thank you, Lord. We humble ourselves before you. I pray for wives and kids and teenagers. I pray for the family, Lord, that we would find humility in the house. Humility with one another and humility with God. Help us, Lord. Dethrone the God of pride out of our hearts. This monster in our midst. 
that must go. If you've got any of your family with you, take them by the hand, wherever they are. Beverly, come take me by the hand. Lord, we agree together in this family. Come on now. This is your time with your family. If you've got anybody with you, if not, you just do it in faith right now. Lord, today as a family, we say to one another and to you that Leviathan has to leave. The God of pride must go out of our hearts. We humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God. We yield our wills. We yield our ways and we yield our words to the control of mighty God. To our heavenly Father. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.